The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Infertility Podcast. Last week, I had the opportunity to interview Melanie Legend from Get Seriously Fertile Podcast. And through Melanie's page, I was able to connect with Kasia, who is an infertility counselor. And we were just talking about, before we started our recording, the power of social media. So I am so happy to have Kasia on, and she's joining us all the way from the UK. So let's hear a little bit about you, Kasia, who you are, what you do, any you know professional or um, personal highlights that you would like to share before we get started with the interview questions. Cool. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Danielle. Um, so yeah, I'm Kasia. I'm a counsellor and art therapist and I specialise in infertility. Um, I love that I get to support women through this really difficult and often really challenging and stressful stage in their lives and um, to put support them through that feels like a real privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my highlights has to be really retraining. I didn't start off my career as a uh, counsellor. I started off doing something very different. I was uh, in photography and then I went and worked in a number of offices, um, but I wasn't really happy. And uh, I made the decision about six years ago uh, to go and retrain. Uh, And then about four years ago, I left my job uh, and went training full time and didn't know where that was going to take me it felt extremely risky um but I haven't looked back and I've loved every minute of it every minute ever since so awesome here I am <laughs> yes it's amazing it's an amazing journey so yeah. we did you know touch about this a little bit so tell us what really brought you to focus on infertility and infertility awareness yeah so um what brought me to focus on infertility was experience with my own um, infertility journey, um, which I was going through while I was retraining, actually, and studying. I was also doing fertility treatments and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. and therapy was such a great support during that time. However, when I initially was training, I, uh, my intention wasn't to work in infertility, actually. It was to work with families and mums. And the reason for that was that I just felt like I was too in my own journey at the time to really be able to give that support that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I was able to kind of get on top of my own journey and feel good about my own stuff mm-hmm. um, and where I was, it coincided with starting my own practice, my own business. And I just couldn't help but feel like actually that's where I could do the most good. That's where I could bring the most support. Uh, And so I've done lots of different things, but yeah, infertility was calling me as actually I've been through it. I know what that feels like. And I was seeing a lot of women posting about having counselors that didn't understand. Yes. And I felt a bit like, how can a counselor not understand that? (laughs) 
yeah. but actually in my own experience meeting other counsellors and yeah no they don't always understand no. <laughs> um no <laughs> um which seems just bizarre to me but I think maybe it's bizarre to me because I've been through it and yes. so I have that I have that knowledge on of being on both sides of the couch so to speak so yes. I feel like this is where I can do the most good amazing yeah like you said you know um there's a lot of count great counselors out there that of can course, probably help you you know get through some of the emotions and uh, unpack certain things but there's nothing like a counselor who has been through it and can kind of help you on with the journey and so even for myself and my husband we have looked for you know because it's very hard to find counselors that you know specify in infertility you know mm. usually it's you you know a broad topic or just you know I'm a mental health counselor but it's really hard to find counselors that specify in infertility and even in our area we only found like one um, and so we're seeking right. out to do that but I'm so happy that you are a resource because honestly there's not that many out there no and I was quite surprised by that actually when I first um, started my business I thought there'll be loads <laughs> and <laughs> The more research I did, the more I realized that there wasn't. And I couldn't understand why, really, because it is such a much, it's such a needed area. And also the complexities of the mental and the emotional side of infertility is, I don't know, it, for me, it feels lacking. And it really feels like something that needs to be more well like you said awareness of mm -hmm. but also just it just needs to be there as standard yes <laughs> you know especially because the percent of percentage of women who go through it you know and then if you think about the women who go through it they also have a spouse you know what i mean so the number really doubles um sometimes yeah. just focusing on the women uh, yes. but you have to think about that they have a spouse or a partner who is also going through um you know the same journey yeah totally exactly and you know and even the family you know yes. I know for me my my mum was a great source of support but there were still things that she couldn't really understand yes. and I couldn't always talk to her with but I think I felt like she felt helpless yes you know yeah like she wanted me to have the life that I dreamed of and I think that that sometimes to her I felt a bit like oh that's I don't know how to help you yeah um so it does impact wider than just yes, one person, of course. Definitely, definitely. And it's so funny that you say that because, you know, my extended family feels the same way. They feel so helpless. Um, you know, Mother's Day just passed and, you know, they did what they could to celebrate me, you know, bought me flowers. My sister especially, she every year she, um, you know, finds a way to um, acknowledge me um, and, you know, be that support. And so, you know, oftentimes people just don't know what to do. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. Yeah, but yeah. like you said, you know, it's, it's just people feel helpless, you know. Mm. So um, why do you feel that the topic of infertility and counseling um, is such a taboo subject? Well, they're well together. They're they're complicated, but also separately, they're both so personal. I mean, we've got counselling on on and therapy on one hand that is seen as almost a privilege and a bit. Uh, there's lots of misconceptions around mental health 
and our abilities to be able to cope mm-hmm. a lot of us feel like we should be able to cope and I, I love that word should yeah um because what it does is it stops us from accessing the help that we need um and the truth is is that we don't always cope and it's natural that we'll go through challenges where we won't cope um and I've learned from my own therapy that actually there is so much um, that we can get out of, you know, talking about our feelings, our worries, our fears and our traumas because mm. we all have them. We haven't, yes. none of us have gone through life and gone through life without being scathed in some way. Correct. So it is really important. Um, and then we add infertility to that. <laughs> uh, and infertility in itself, and I'm going to go a bit meta here, so stay with me, but I think infertility itself is a bit taboo because we don't like to think about our own demise mm. in a way. And our species, are we are hardwired for survival. It's mm-hmm. what we do. And a part of survival is obviously procreation. Um, and if we don't have children, what does that mean? And I think that's one question that when we're going through infertilities that we ask a lot, what does my life mean if I don't have children? Right. Um, it's that's that thing that comes up. Well, what, what, what's meaning? What am I here for? What's my purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the real meta thing. And I think that's because we confuse children with meaning in our lives. Wow. Um, and actually that life can be very meaningful without children. Yes. Um, and that's huge. But if we, even if we come down socially, um, the taboo I think is really that, there's lots of shame associated with it um, because we expect pregnancy to happen. Mm-hmm. We rarely talk about pregnancy not happening, right. especially to children. We don't really talk about that. So we go through the majority of our childhood development and then adolescence and into you know, young adulthood without ever really talking about things that don't happen. Right. Um, we always talk about the things that do happen. So there's lots of shame in when something doesn't happen because then it becomes personal. Or it mm-hmm. must be something about me. Yes. Something's wrong with um, me. Something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the, the deep rooted shame of infertility. Um, so it's, it's, it's complex on a lot of levels and it's taboo on a lot of levels because I think it really hits us in a place that is quite deep rooted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. On our, yeah that deep-rooted personal level yeah like identity you know yeah because we identify ourselves with these different titles and these different things and it's like okay when it doesn't happen that means I won't have this title I won't have this identity and looking forward you know from your adolescent years looking forward you're like okay yeah I'm gonna get married oh we'll probably wait two years and not you know and then we'll have children and then you're like year five like hello it's not happening (laughs) yeah yeah it's we we naturally make these plans don't we of where life is gonna go and I think that's just I mean our education is pretty much our education system is pretty much set up that way isn't it you know you do this and then you do that and then you do this and then you go and get a really good job yeah and then you go and do and you know what I mean it's all kind of planned out Mm -hmm. and so when life kind of throws that spanner, it's like, what? Like, that's not, that wasn't in the plan. Yes, not um, at all. Not at all. And I don't think, infertility is one of those things that even if you knew about it, you wouldn't really plan for it. I don't right. think it's something that you would go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plan around and, and make a plan B in case yes. of, you know, we're not, you know, no, we're not going to do that. that far. No. Um, <laughs> So it's a really, it's a real challenge and, yeah. and it really throws us off course when that happens. Yes. 
Yes. So um, thank you for that. So one thing I don't believe I've covered on this podcast, which is crazy to me because I thought like at least I'd have one episode on this, but I think it's good to open up this conversation because it's necessary. Um, it's about it's surrounding secondary um, infertility. And okay. um, if you can go into um, what it is, what is secondary in, infertility and and what is it to you personally? Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, secondary infertility is, is my story. Yeah. Um, so it's classed as the inability to conceive or carry a pregnancy to term after having one or more child successfully, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have an eight year old um, and he took a while to conceive. He took a year to conceive. And when I was about 26 years old at the time, I thought that was a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, that caused me a lot of distress. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was assured that, you know, once I had him, I would be fine. Yes. So I, secondary infertility wasn't something that I knew about. It wasn't something that was on my radar. Um, I had him naturally um, and a very healthy pregnancy and things were very straightforward. Um, I ended up having an emergency C-section and it was all complicated. But um, yeah, he was, I had no concept of what was in store really. Um, But because I had a C-section, I did want to heal. Mm-hmm. And I did want to give my t- myself time to mm-hmm. heal, um, which sometimes I look back. I, I remember looking back at times and thinking, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't have done that." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> who knows what would have happened? But um, yeah. So when my son was about two years old, um, we decided to try for another one naturally, um, and a year went by, and I wasn't that concerned because I thought. This is what happened last time. This is what happened last time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, 18 months goes by and I'm thinking, mm, I don't know. Uh, and I, I really think I started to get a bit more distressed by then because, and it was, it was different from the first time because I couldn't avoid any baby things. <laughs> there, was no, yeah. there was no chance of avoiding baby showers or oh, yes. baby parties or uh, play dates or anything yeah, especially like that. that time rate in your in your life that's when everyone's yeah. kind of yeah. everyone's <laughs> everyone's doing the stuff yeah. and um friends are going on to have more babies and I was like oh, okay this isn't happening um so it was really quite difficult to go through and one of the misconceptions is is that people say well you should be lucky you've got one Mm-mm. And grateful and um, that was always hard to battle with because mm-hmm. I am incredibly grateful for my son um, and at times I remember thinking I you know I am I am really grateful but I still want another one and mm-hmm. I can still want that yes um, you know we don't you know people don't have two children go why did you have a second one you know it's, it's you know but when you want a second one and that's not happening people tend to say we well, should be grateful for one mm-hmm. um and it's it, again every infertility every journey every story is different and complex mm-hmm. in and of itself but um for me i was i am incredibly grateful for my son yeah um and yeah, I mean, we haven't had another child yet, um, but I am really hopeful that we will. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm agreeing with you as well that I, I believe that that will happen. Um, and and I now I recall I I've never had a episode on um, secondary infertility, but I believe I shared this story before. If not, um, there was a young lady at my church, and she right at this point in life she's I think she's celebrating like almost ten years of marriage, um, and it took her a long time to conceive her first child. And I remember I spoke over her life and I said we were having a Father's Day celebration um, at church, and what we do is usually give them you know, little flowers to put on their suit jackets just to honor them and, and say happy Father's Day. And I called her up and I said, you're going to honor your husband and give him this flower because next year you will conceive and you will have a child. And that's exactly what happened. She ended up having a child. And, um, you know, she was, you know, so happy. She has her child. And then now she's, you know, battling it and has had miscarriages um, before her, conceiving her first child, having her first child, and then you know, thereafter has had multiple miscarriages. And I remember her coming to me and telling me, you know, I, I want a second child. And she's like, I know I should be, you know, happy because I have one child. And I said, sis, it doesn't erase the fact that you want another one. Right. It is the desire of your heart. Like, don't feel bad. Because I, I know she feels kind of bad coming to me of all people you know, yeah. to talk to. But I said, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It doesn't erase the desire to have a second child. And that's why I think it's important that we discuss second infertility because secondary infertility, because people still have the desire to have more than one child. Yeah. And you may just see someone walking around. And like, okay, they're fine. They have one child, but they may in their mind and in, in their plan, like we talked about earlier, they envisioned having two to three kids. You yes. know what I mean? And it doesn't erase the desire in your heart no. to have more children. No, it certainly doesn't. And I mean, we, we talk a lot about primary infertility where people will say, oh, why haven't you had kids yet? And with secondary, it's like, why have you only got one? Yes. You know, <laughs> all these so questions. All these questions. They, yes. they don't stop. And yes, so there's always don't. a trigger. There's always something. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, the triggers are, 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 you know, always there with secondary infertility. And it's really like, and I agree, I think you're right. The desire doesn't go away mm -hmm. um it doesn't you know it's just what you want and I think if you had a dream of your life where there's two or three children or more um you know that that doesn't go away no it doesn't it's just it's always there it is it is it is thank you so much for sharing your story all right so in this journey of walking infertility women and men can feel emotional distress <laughs> i think that's yes. part of the territory so <laughs> what are you what are your, what are some suggestions that you have for those going through this journey okay well my main suggestion is to not ignore it yes like like you said the the emotional uh distress is part of the territory it, yes. it is inevitable um but i think what my, most people do is tend to like think that's not as important as getting pregnant <laughs> um and to think that even that it will be okay once you're pregnant mm -hmm. um so mental health issues um all that emotional distress the anxiety the worry it can persist uh and usually they do persist if they if you don't have help for it yeah um like any health issue you know things will persist they yeah. don't get they don't they can get better on their own um but you have to take action to, mm -hmm. for it to get better on its own um so firstly 
emotional distress in infertility is a completely natural response to an extremely stressful situation yes it's really important to say that you're not going crazy you are not particularly unable to cope more than anyone else um it is just a natural response so stress is a huge factor um and you've really got to find ways to relax i know Mm. no one likes to hear that in infertility (laughs) we hate that um but what i think that really what we're really talking about and what we understand about stress is that when we're in a stress response, um, we have activated the sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it flushes our body with uh, the stress hormone cortisol and adrenaline. And it means that our body is never in a relaxed state. Mm-hmm. And when we've got these um, hormones uh, raging around our body, um, it's really quite harmful to our organs, mm-hmm. actually. And that includes our fertility uh, hormones as well and our fertility organs. Like, you know, it, it is a fact. Um, so when we say relax, <laughs> it, 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 is, it is just to help. And, it's, and what I think that really means is find ways to bring that stress level down. It's really mm-hmm. important. And we can't ignore it. So meditate, yoga, having a bath, going for a long walk, you know, it doesn't really matter what it is, but what we want to do is activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our calming system. And we flood the body with oxytocin, um, which is the feel good hormone. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to, nobody wants to get pregnant when they're feeling like, ah, and stressed. The body wants to get pregnant when it feels good. Yes, definitely. So that's the whole point about just relax. As annoying as that sentence is, it's there for good reason. Um, another thing is, I think if emotions are getting too much, you know, take some time out and journal. I think what we tend to do is hold in a lot and bottle up a lot. I've been there. I'm guilty of that. Um, but what I do know is that, you know, journaling's great. And what I love about journaling is there's no judgment and there's right. no there's no unsupportive comments, you know. <laughs> There's no yes. just relax for talk, you know, it's completely you and the page and you just get to write it out. Um, reach out and talk as well. It's, you know, we are hardwired for connection. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we do. And I'll be honest, not everybody's supportive. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to find someone who is or find a therapist. And I, well, one thing I will say about finding a therapist is a lot of people think you just take the first therapist that comes. <laughs> but shop around, like we do with anything. You know, yeah. you're paying money to speak to someone and, you know, shop around and find someone who's a right fit for you. Um, but the most important thing is to find help that helps. Yeah. So don't just talk to someone who makes you feel anxious. Talk to someone who is actually going to listen. Very good. Yeah. And I love the fact that you said, you know, there are certain things we have to, you know, confront and deal with. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier. We, you know, trauma, childhood trauma, and just because you get pregnant doesn't mean those issues are eradicated, you know? And I had to come to that realization earlier this year is like, you know, I don't want to get pregnant and, and not deal with the emotions that I felt through this journey. You know what I mean? Because that's not going to be healthy for myself. It's not going to be healthy for my future children. It's not going to be healthy for my um, husband and my family. And so um, I think one of the running themes um, this season for this podcast has been, you know, doing the inner work that needs to take place. And it's hard. There's a lot of tears. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of like, wow, I'm like this. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, Mm. I've had some real deal, like, 
look in the mirror like wow this is who i am type moments like geez you know those things um in order to be a healthier version of yourself oh ultimately. totally yeah yeah I completely agree and I, I love the fact that you said that and that you've done that work because I think people think they don't need to mm. um, or that it doesn't matter and from experience I can tell you it does yeah. because what we don't deal with our children deal with yes um, even though we think we're dealing with it it's there unconsciously it's in mm. our being it's in our presence and it will just it will just fester and it will just you know um, continue and if we think back to our own childhood like you said and the traumas in our own childhoods you know it was there it was present people weren't necessarily know about dealing with their mental health or their emotional traumas um but now we do yeah and so now it is our responsibility to do something about it and yes. to make changes so that our children and the knock-on effect is huge and i i get really excited about this because i go oh, that means our, our children have a different life but not just our children the next generation after that and after oh, that because once we change one generation the knock-on effect is huge yes. and you know we we should all be getting excited about that definitely it's difficult as the work is <laughs> definitely <laughs> difficult it has been challenging but it's ongoing you know what i mean oh, it's ongoing yeah totally because there's something that happens that like you get triggered by you're like where is this coming from like what you know and then you realize hey this is attached to something that happened in my adolescent years like i never you know felt like i fit in i have all these isolation issues and now i feel isolated because i'm the only one going through this journey of infertility it's like whoa whoa like open a whole can of worms and <laughs> yeah. you gotta deal with it <laughs> and you got and you gotta deal with it and i kind of feel like it's the opportune moment to deal with it mm -hmm. you know like I, I feel like sometimes things are presented to us okay we don't like it it's not the box we would have chosen infertility is not the box we would have chosen not totally not but it's here and so it's it is an opportunity like you said to do that inner work and go well what is that trigger why is that happening oh okay that's connected to that I've got to sort this stuff out yeah um and to really take that opportunity and I think a lot of people think once it's dealt with, it's dealt with. Yes. And it's not. It will usually come back yes. and back. Um, but the idea is you just keep keep doing the practice and eventually it will just go, okay, I get really quick at recognizing that. Yeah. And I, even though I'm triggered, I know what to do with that. Correct. Correct. Because um, I remember seeing something that said, you know, you know, try to your best to avoid your triggers. And I had that mentality as well. And then I'm like, no, this is going to be ongoing. You know what I mean? Mm. I have to find a way to deal with this because I'm, there's something, like, I'll be fine. And then all of a sudden something triggers me. You know what I mean? So yeah. you have to learn, you know, like you said, coping and, and uh, you know, the tools necessary to uh, deal with those things. So we have some listeners um, that are not going through this journey, but they do listen to the podcast, which I totally appreciate. Um, so what are some words of advice that you would give to someone supporting maybe a family member or friend um, that's going through this infertility journey? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's hard for anyone to support someone going through something like this, especially if it's not your experience. Right. It's, it's difficult. But my advice is to anyone is when anyone's going through anything difficult, just listen. Yes. Um, what we tend to do is reassure, 
because of course we want that person to feel better we don't want them to hurt we don't want them to be upset we you know we want to our natural response is it's okay or do this or try that um, but what we end up doing is making that person feel worse mm. um, they feel like that you don't want to know or like uh, their feelings aren't validated or like you can't support them mm. so in my own training um, when I was training to be a counsellor the hardest thing we all had to do was learn to support someone without trying to fix them mm. or make them better um, which means you just have to sit there and so the best thing you can do is either ask questions and, and but out of genuine curiosity not mm -hmm. morbid fascination right um, like you're genuinely curious like well what does that mean like I don't know what IVF means I mean a lot of people out there don't actually know correct what, what goes into it so just genuinely ask the question what does that mean what, what, what do you have to do or um, ask them if they want to talk about it they mm -hmm. might not right um, and that's totally up to them and if they do just listen um, it's quite simple but probably the best thing you can ask someone is how can I support you right what is it that you need right and and yeah. trust that they will tell you you know exactly what they need at that moment and it may change over time you know and it mean? may change yes yeah. it may change over time um so what are some things that have worked for you personally when dealing with um, mental health on you know on this journey of infertility so for me it was learning how to ask for support mm. enough um that's been my biggest thing all my life so my my natural go-to is to suck it up power through be strong get on with it mm -hmm. um but asking for what i need and being vulnerable because that's what it is yeah when, we, when we're asking for support or that hug or actually i just need to have this conversation or um actually i really need to go to therapy mm -hmm. um it's been vulnerable enough to say that's what I need and I need to go and get that now um, and actually when you do that what I found in my experience is when I did that when I actually asked for support I reached out to a friend or my therapist um, at a time when I really needed it it was really empowering because yes. they were responsive they gave me exactly what I needed and how I needed it and when I needed it mm -hmm. um, and I was like oh I can do that I can yes. I can ask for that and and that's okay um so that's one of the that's the biggest thing that mm -hmm. I've had to learn to do is to yeah. ask for support um I also now have daily practices of meditating and journaling and I tune into my feelings so what I think most people tend to do is tune out they avoid mm -hmm. like you said earlier I don't want to feel that I don't want to know about that I'm, I'm going to avoid that trigger um, but actually what I tend to do is tune in mm -hmm. and sit with my feelings and really either journal on it or literally just sit there and kind of say what's going on what, mm -hmm. what do I feel what do I need right now like how can I make this how can I make this better or maybe I can't make this better but what is it that I need and yeah what what is it in this moment that's going on and just try and understand myself a bit better very good i love it yeah i'm a big proponent for um journaling as well mm -hmm. since my adolescence adolescent years till now i still journal i still you know write down feelings i still write down you know 
you know, prayer requests, scriptures, whatever helps me at that time to kind of stay focused, Mm -hmm. but also to deal with the fact that, hey, this is what I'm feeling, you know, and I can't ignore what I'm feeling. And like you said, the pages don't talk back, you know? (laughs) (laughs) There's no judgment. There's no judgment. I think it's probably one of the best things. I mean, sometimes I don't even read back what I wrote. Uh You know, you don't, you don't necessarily have to read it back. Sometimes I do if I find it really helpful. Sometimes after weeks or months, I might go back to it and think, oh, was that going on? But actually I find it's just so helpful to have this thing that I can unload on Mm -hmm. and it just takes everything I've got and, you know, that's it. And I close it and I can put it away. And I can feel like, okay, that's done with. And I'm, I'm good. Yeah. And I think I could relate with you in the sense that, you know, when you are the uh, person that's usually the one that's supporting others, it's hard to reach out and ask for support. And so when you're that strong friend, that strong family member, it's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to inconvenience anyone. I don't want to do this and this and that. Um, so it becomes really difficult for you to reach out for help. But it's important. No, and it is. And I think what what I realise is we all we've been taught that from quite a young age Mm -hmm. is that actually our job isn't to put ourselves first, it's Mm. to put other people first and to be like, Are you okay? And can I help you? And what what is it that you need? And we rarely are taught about saying, actually, it's okay to say no Mm -hmm. or it's even okay to say yes to the things that we want to do over someone else's needs yes um and actually it's okay to say actually I really need help or I'm not coping right now Mm -hmm. um you know do you fancy coming and meeting up for a chat and you know and it's it's not necessarily we feel like uh, and this is what I get a lot from my clients is they'll say things like um yeah but I don't want to burden people yes I don't want to, you know, I don't want them to take on my stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have all these stories in our heads and these projections about what it is that other people can do and can, can cope with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we're really saying is my feelings aren't worthy. Yeah, I'm not worthy of having someone take some time and come and sit with me. Yes, definitely. I love that you went there because it's so true. We have our own, you know, stories and things that we're telling us, even things that happened in the past that led us to have that perspective. And so it's important to shift the perspective and say, hey, I need help, you know, and yeah. it's okay to say that. Yeah. All right. So last question. Um, many women feel that they're doing okay until <laughs> something or someone triggers them. So how um, can we encourage more women to seek counseling um, in this journey? I feel like this is an area where a lot of people just kind of do their best to deal with it on their own. But it's also important to, you know, seek that help and seek counseling to help you unpack certain things. So what, you know, how can we encourage women um, or, you know, couples in general to seek counseling um, when they're on this journey? Yeah, I think I think there's it's it's got to be done. We need to encourage more people to seek counselling. That's definitely for a start. Um, first of all, triggers are are going to happen. We can't control them. Um, but I think if you find that you are being overly triggered, then it's definitely something that you need to go and talk to someone about. Mm-hmm. Um, like I keep saying, don't ignore these things. Um, and I think you said before, you can limit 
and you can avoid but it doesn't really deal with what's really going on mm-hmm. so it is really important to you know go and talk to someone um infertility as you know anyone who's listening if you're going through it you know how difficult it is it's extremely stressful um it is not a personal failing on your part and i know that it doesn't matter how much someone tells you that mm-hmm. it will always feel that way um but the importance of counseling on your infertility journey is it can't be underestimated mm-hmm. unfortunately i think at the at the moment it is underestimated um i think um that it's not something that when you walk into an office and say i'm struggling to get pregnant they don't say they don't ask you about your mental health or your emotional health um which i think is a shame um however and i think also we we put a lot of focus into the physical aspects of infertility um naturally that's the doctor's focus that's your you know your nurse's focus you know your re whoever you're talking to that is their focus yes. your body your physical body however we cannot be separated from our emotions mm-hmm. and our thoughts um go into overdrive as well we can't be the worries the fears the doubts are all there Yes. And what counselling does is just help you to unload that. Mm -hmm. Because when we're carrying it around, it does have an impact on our health. And that is the emotional stress of infertility. Yes. And like I said before about the cortisol and all that, that's the stuff that we need to really bring down and calm down. And one way to do that is by talking about it. Um, So I can't encourage people enough, women enough, couples enough to go and find a counsellor or a therapist and really get yourself that emotional support because I I do think it will make a difference um, to the outcome of your journey. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you so much for that. So again, special, special, special thank you to you for joining this episode of the Infertility Podcast. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to not only share your story, but your expertise. Um, So how can we connect with you? Yes, I'm on Instagram. It's at the Infertility Counselor quite straightforward also on facebook i have a facebook page um with that as well uh website is slightly different it's sia counseling um uh, dot co dot uk um you can message me dm me and yeah also on twitter as well um at the infertility counselor and you all she has some really good content if you are going through this journey like i'm learning so much um from her page so um definitely if you're going through this journey follow her page um because she has some amazing information that she's putting out there um and videos she gets on there you know a couple times I do. <laughs> yes which is good you know because sometimes people are just kind of scrolling if you see a video you want to stop and play and hear you know what's being said so i think that it's um amazing what you're doing um i want to thank you for what you're doing for the community the infertility community i think that you know like we said said earlier there's not that many counselors out there that um specifically deal with infertility and i think the fact that you are going through this journey and you have you know the expertise behind it together i think that is just powerful um and i know that you have already helped a lot of women and i know that you will continue to do so so i truly appreciate your gift and i appreciate you sharing your gift um with us 
Well, thank you so much for having me. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And yes. um, it's always great to talk to you. Yes. So again, thank you everyone for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister. Or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.